All right, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Two weeks ago, our youngest two boys moved out. They rented a place together. They, were, they mowed the yard for us, so um, Denise said, you know, since they moved out, maybe I could learn how to, to mow the grass. I said, okay. I said, she said, just show me how to work the lawnmower to crank it, what I need to know. So I, I did. I mowed two strips around the house. I mowed one right up the center of the yard, and I said, all right, get on it. And I said, mow this way. Keep your wheel right here, mow this way, and then turn around and come back this way. Stripe the yard, you know. Let me tell you, teaching your wife how to run a zero-turn lawnmower will spark any man's prayer life. But eventually, she did, she did good. She eventually got the hang of it. Sarah, she said I could use that, by the way. Uh, but she eventually did get the hang of it. But she did tell me, she said, if you want the yard stripe, you're going to do it yourself. You're too particular. But as, I, as we think about prayer, um, I, I, ran across, I, I read a lot of stuff, so I came across these statements about prayer. Prayer is the easiest and hardest of all things, the simplest and the sublimest, the weakest and most powerful. Its results lie outside the range of human possibilities. They are limited only by the omnipotence of God. Prayer is, for the most part, an untapped resource, an unexplored continent where untold treasure remains to be unearthed. It's talked about more than anything else and practiced less than anything else. And yet, for the believer, it remains one of the greatest gifts our Lord has given us outside of salvation. Prayer is a humbling work. It abases intellect and pride, crucifies vainglory, and signs our spiritual bankruptcy. And all these are hard for flesh and blood to bear. It's easier not to pray than to bear them. So we come to one of the crying evils of these times, maybe of all times, little or no praying. Of these two evils, perhaps little praying is worse than no praying. Little praying is a kind of make-believe, a salve for the conscience, a farce, and a delusion. Prayer is at the heart of the Christian life. Prayer is countercultural. Read any self-help books. We all have to-do lists that we must complete every day. We all have things we need to do, but we cannot squeeze out our primary responsibility of prayer. You know, Jesus went off by himself and prayed. Even when the crowds, they were constantly wanting his attention and wanting them to meet his needs. The apostles joined together constantly to pray, Acts chapter 1. The early church met together and prayed for boldness and courage and the power of the Holy Spirit in the face of persecution. The apostles, whenever they were trying, whenever work was, they needed someone to supervise, they got deacons so they could give themselves to the word and prayer. Prayer is vital and important to us as Christians. So Paul wrote at the end of 1 Thessalonians, verse 25, as he was concluding the letter, brethren, pray for us. Right, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight, and I pray that this lesson would be helpful, be honoring to you, that you might be glorified. We'll thank you for what you'll do. In Christ's name, I pray. So the first thing we think, think about, for whom should we pray? Paul said, brethren, pray for us. So if we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we know Paul, Silas, and, and Timothy wrote, was involved in writing this letter. They were serving actually in Corinth at this time. Acts 17, 1 through 10 records Paul's 
missionary endeavor to Thessalonica. And as he went to that church, of course, as he went to any town, he, was, he got ran out. We know he was there at least three Sabbaths because he went in and taught. But he was ran out of town. The church had he and Silas leave for their safety. You know, and when that church of Thessalonica saw him standing in the face of opposition, he was a brave man. He was a good leader. And I'm sure in their minds they thought, wow, nothing phases this guy. But yet, what does Paul write to them? <laughs> As he's in Corinth, brethren, pray for us. He needed their prayers. He was a man of like passions just as they were. In fact, when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And I, brethren, came to you not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I can relate to that. Paul needed the prayers, and he asked, he said, Brethren, pray for us. Church, pray for us. He was, a like man, he was a man of like passions, just as we are, liable to the same temptations, engaged in difficult and tiring work, often called to meet with opposition, exposed to peril and want. He especially needed the prayers of the people of God. That request is made no less than seven times in his epistles, including this one before us. A fact which shows how priceless to the apostle was the intercession of others on his behalf. So when we think about the Apostle Paul, he was a leader. He was a missionary. He was the founder of many churches. So for whom should we pray? First, we should pray for our pastor. As you walked in, you were given a, a prayer page, and I'm, I'll talk about it later on. But do you pray for Pastor Jake, for Kyle, Pastor Colin? I guess we're going to call Pastor Matt. Do you pray for them? Are you aware they are men of like passions just as we are? Years ago, uh, when I worked at Freightliner, I had a, fr a friend of mine called in sick. So when he came in the next day, I was just joking with him. I said, Duck, you weren't sick yesterday. He said, Doug, don't you ever get sick and tired? I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. You know what? Pastor Jake and Colin <laughs> and Matt, they get sick and tired. They go through the same things that we do. They have families just like we do. Pastor Jake's on the one end of the family. Matt's right in the middle. <laughs> Colin's jumping in with both feet here in the next couple weeks. You know, they pay bills. They deal with stresses associated with their responsibilities just as we do. Beyond that is the spiritual battles that they encounter. You know, if, if Satan can cause a leader to stumble, he's done more harm to the church than he could with someone of lesser uh, stature. And, and Pastor Kukendall spoke of that. As Herod stretched forth his arms to vex the church, he vexed certain of the church, and he tried to get the leaders. It's no different today. Satan is still attempting to get the leaders. Persecution may not be physical as it was uh, for Peter, uh, as Herod had him in jail, but it, they still face the same spiritual battles uh, that that uh, they, they did as well. Paul said, brethren, pray for us. We need God's help in all areas of our ministry. Those who are God's messengers are in desperate need of prayer. They're not only seeking to discern the truth of God's word, but they're trying to present it in an accurate and an understandable way. 
to men who have no human ability to understand it. God is the one who opens eyes. God is the one who uses his word. They face the opposition of the enemy, the opposition of a carnal heart, and more than times than not, their work is rejected. The men who speak for God need prayer. Every article or sermon that I read, and even on the prayer page that you received, this was written. This was written by a pastor who died in 1873, so this is nothing new. The Apostle Paul lived 2,000 years ago. But Gardner Spring wrote this, Oh, it is a fearful expense that ministers are ever allowed to enter the pulpit without being preceded, accompanied, and followed by the earnest prayers of the churches. It is no marvel that the pulpit is so powerless and ministers so often disheartened when there are so few to hold up their hands. The consequence of neglecting this duty is seen and felt in the spiritual declension of the churches. We are the dispensers of God's truth and at best fall far below our mighty theme. The duties of our calling return upon us with every returning week and day. They often come upon us with many conflicting demands. They sometimes put a depend upon all our thoughts at the very time when we've lost the power of thinking. And sometimes they call for the, all the intensity and strength of our affections just at the time we are the least capable of expressing them. There's also associated with these demands that pressing distress and decaying anxiety which exhausts our vigor cripples our courage and drinks up our spirits. And then in addition to all this, there are so many disappointments in our work that we desperately need the sympathy and comfort of the prayers of God's faithful people. You know, Pastor Jake is a good leader. Don't look like, seem like anything would faze him, but he sometimes he's very honest and transparent with us. But he needs our prayers. So I handed out, when you came in, there's a 30-day prayer page, and I, it's not original to me. I received this years ago, and it has every day for 30 days something different that you can pray for our pastors for. I've had it for several years now. When I get to day 30, I flip back to day one, and I start all over again. Pastor Jake may have some specific prayer requests, and Colin and Matt, don't forget Pastor Stu as well. They may have some specific requests, but these are something that you can pray for every day and call out your pastor's name, call out Pastor Jake's name, or, and call on them at every day uh, that they might have an effective ministry. Paul felt the need for it, and, and they need our prayers as well. And Paul said, church, pray for us. So I hope you take this list, and I hope you'll use it. But secondly, we should pray for our pastors. We should pray for others. We should pray for others. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It's at the end of, Paul said that you're going to be in a spiritual battle and we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And he, and he, through those verses, told us how we could put on the spiritual armor of God. But he ends that, that we need to pray in the Spirit. And we need to watch there, too, with perseverance and supplication for all saints. He was talking for of believers. So we need to pray for others. Howard Hendricks was a, taught at Dallas Theological Seminary, pastored in, in the Dallas area. And he was at a church in, his church in Dallas, and they needed a Sunday school teacher for the high school junior high boys class at the, as his Sunday school superintendent or the man brought the list in. There was only one name on the list. And he was like, no way, not him. 
It's not, not, you know, you got to be kidding me. But he says, I couldn't have been more wrong about that person, about that young man. He took the class and he revolutionized it. He was so impressed that he invited him home for lunch and asked him the secret of his success. That Sunday, young Sunday school teacher took out his little black book. He put out a little black book, and on each page, he had a small picture of one of the boys, and under the boys' names were comments like, having trouble in arithmetic, or he comes to church against parents' wishes, would like to be a missionary someday, but doesn't think he has what it takes. He told Pastor Hendricks, he said, I pray over these pages every day. And he said, I, can't, I can hardly wait to get to church on Sunday to see how God has answered prayers in their lives and what he's doing. You see, when we pray for others and when you pray for God's work to be done, for his will to be accomplished, he will begin to use you and grow you in ways that will astonish those around you. Sometimes we don't become what God wants us to become because we're too focused on ourselves and not on others. It's when we pray for others that we will become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, God will grow us more, show us more, and use us more. We must pray for others. This illustration gives us an example. You know, if we pray for Pastor Jake, and we should pray for Sarah and Caitlin as well, and Matt's family. And, uh, but as we pray for them, it's easy to remember their names. But when you pray, what the illustration that we have here, he had their names. And he had a picture of them. And he called them out specifically before God. You know, sometimes we can be in a small group and someone would ask a prayer request. If we don't know their name, we're describing them to God. You know the guy that sits third row back? He owns a tree business. You know, uh, by the time we get explained, we, don't, we forgot what the prayer request was. We need to know, get to know people's names and pray for them. You know, I thought about this. If you prayed for Brandon, you could mark about eight people off your list. One... <laughs> One shot, because we got a lot of Brandons. But you know, every Brandon has a different need. Every Brandon needs our prayers. They need us praying for them by name specifically. We, we can't know everyone, but we can know some. And we need to get to know some of these people. I want to share this with you, and it's very practical. Evangelist shared it with me years ago. It revolution, revolutionized my prayer life. He said, get a, tell my age a little bit, bit but he said, get a, a flip notebook with a little three-by-five note card with two holes punched in it. He said, write day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. He said, don't write Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, because if you oversleep three Mondays a month, then personal Monday don't get prayed for for a, almost a whole month. But he said, if you miss a day, you go to day two and go to day three. And he said, next, write down people in your church family. Do you know that we don't have to have a prayer request to pray for people? We can pray for them. They, they've always got needs. I, I do. But we can pray for them. He said, write, write a list, some names from your church family. And this is kind of the way I, I've, I've done mine. Then I write some of my family members. Then I write down a ministry of Euphola, such as Awana, Sunday school classes, or small groups, or write down a ministry of Euphola. Then I write down a missionary. We got prayer cards for missionaries, but it's hard to pray for them all at one, at one time. Write down several of those on day one. Then I have, a, at the bottom of that, I got a list of friends, some who are saved, some who are lost, and whom I pray for. 
And then below that, I got some government officials. You know, the Bible tells us to pray for all men. <laughs> it's not very easy praying for. We can pray that their plans will be thwarted. Or, but we, the Bible tells us to pray for those of us, for those who are in authority. That's, that's what I've done. And then day two, you write some more f- church family members down. And by, and by the end of the week, you've prayed for a lot of different people and a lot of different missionaries. And it really works. It revolutionized my life. It, ha- it will help you. To, to pray and to pray specifically. Now, my notebook got my, the front falling off, and so I put them on my phone, in my notes. I got, everybody has their phone everywhere they go, so put them in your notes. Put your list right there, and you can have it for you. Have it with you all the time, and you can pray for them. It, it will help you pray for others. It will help you pray for others. So, who should we pray for? Pray for pastors, for our pastors. Pray for others. And how should we pray? Pray specifically. Pray specifically. You know, that Sunday school teacher, of that illustration that we just heard, he had pictures, he had names, and he had specific requests under each of these boys' names. Um, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul wrote again, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it, is, as it is with you, and that you may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all men have faith. He had two specific requests there, that the word may have free course and be glorified, and that they would have deliverance from unreasonable and wicked men. His requests for, were for real things. You many, many times things that top our prayer list are physical needs, and they are urgent. Many times they're prolonged and they're um, serious. We should pray for those. Some requests we hear are job-related or decisions about life situation. You know, the list goes on and on. For our needs are varied and many. But we should also be praying for spiritual growth for, uh, for people. Um, you know, there's many that we know who need spiritual healing you know I, I know a lot of people uh who are lost without christ you know i i know many people who were once faithful to god but bitterness has crept in and, and they've gotten out of church you know I, I have family members that are doing good and we better pray for them as well but as we think about praying for others we should pray for the, their spiritual needs as well Apostle Paul gave us an example as he spoke, uh, as he wrote in, in the epistles. One thing we need to be is thankful to God when we pray specifically. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We should be thankful. One thing the Apostle Paul was thankful for, and, and when you read through the epistles, you'll see this many times. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. He was thankful for the people around him. You know, i got some people who will send me a text or call me and say, I'm praying for you and praying for your family. Man, I'll tell you what, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, them, for those people. Uh, I... The other Sunday morning, we were back in the pastor's office praying before Sunday service, and Chad uh, spoke up, and he said, 
He said, I just want to thank God for all these men in here. And he said, I'm thankful. You know what? We need to be thankful. Thankful for what God has given us. Thankful for what he's doing for us. And thankful for others in our lives. Pray for growth in knowledge for people. You know, if you're praying for your church family, you don't know of a specific request, we can always pray for them to be growing spiritually. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, the Apostle Paul wrote this, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. There are several sermons in that verse by itself, but when the Apostle Paul was praying that they would grow in knowledge, that their good works, they would be fruitful in their good works, they would walk worthy, pleasing unto the Lord, increasing the knowledge of God, strengthened with his might, according to his glorious power. This is how we can pray uh, for others, that they might be growing in grace. We could pray that love might ab- may abound. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and all judgment. Is there someone that you can't, you're not getting along with in church? Pray that love may abound, not only in their lives, but in yours as well. Paul was concerned about others, about their souls, their salvation, and their sanctification. Is there someone on your heart who's lost? Pray that God would open their eyes to his truth. Is there someone that you are burdened to be more faithful to church? Pray that God would give them a desire to know him in a more intimate way. Is there someone in in church you're having trouble getting along with? Pray for love uh, that would abound more and more in your heart and others. You know, as we shake hands or we greet each other in the hallway, you don't have to be nosy. But, you know, in regular conversations of life, you can find out things about people that you can pray for, what they're going through, their family, their work. Um, So uh, as you think, as we meet people and as we get to know their names and as we pray for them, write their names down. And then when, when you know of a specific request, write it beside their name and pray for them. Uh so that we might be helpful to others, pray for others. So how should we, how, how should we pray? We should, need, we should also pray honestly. Uh, kids can be bluntly honest. As many years ago, I was coaching my older boys. It was a basketball team. I'm pretty uh, competitive, and I, I can be pretty animated when, I, when I'm coaching. It was a close game. I'll never forget. I had this kid. His name was Kevin, and uh, I, I subbed him out. And I was—I turned around. I was talking to him, and I, you know, I—I I, I was just being animated. But I was right in his face. I said, you know, when you play defense, stick your hand up. Quit slapping the ball. Don't foul him. Just—just just play defense. Move your feet. Stay between him and the basket. And I, I was coaching him. He said, "I got finished." He said, "Your breast stinks." What do you say? I just turned around and started watching the game. But I want to ask you, are you honest with God when you pray? Are you honest with God when you pray? Do you really talk to God when you pray? Jeremiah 20, verse 7 says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me 
and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. And as he continued with that verse, he said, God's word was in me, and I, I couldn't it, keep it in. It, it, it had to come out. And he said, God will triumph over my enemies. But then the last five verses of that chapter, he wrote, or the first one of the, those last five verses, said, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. Let not the day wherein my mother bear me be blessed. He was honest. He was honest. He was the, called the weeping prophet, doing the right things. He was preaching and teaching and honoring God. You know what? We can do everything right. We can live moral lives. We can love Jesus. We can read our Bibles and pray. We can go to church and give tithes and offerings. We can serve on mission trips and tell others about Jesus. We can obey Jesus and still get sick. Our loved ones still die, and we still experience experience disappointment, heartache, and loss. You know, we've all had those moments, those times where we said, Lord, what, what's going on? What's going on? Why? I can remember, and, and the Lord's had to teach me. I'm hard-headed. It takes, him, takes me a long time to learn. But years ago, I was in a situation, and I was overwhelmed, depressed, down and out. I was like, Lord, I was at church seven days last week. I'm doing all this. Why is this so hard? But we need to be honest with God as we pray. Be honest. Be real. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You know what? He already knows. He already knows. Be honest with God. He would rather have us confess our doubts to him than for us to run away and hide. He's not, in, he's not interested in our Instagram or Facebook faces. He's interested in our haggard, beat-up, honest faces. What does your honest face look like? Where are the creases and the worries? Are you willing to come before God and say, here's my envy, here's my doubt? Honesty allows us to grow into a closer relationship with God, and honesty creates intimacy. You know, be honest in prayer. Lastly, we're going to see when should we pray. Pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians 5.17 says pray without ceasing. A few verses up from where the Apostle Paul had wrote for the church to pray for him. He, he was exhorting them to pray without ceasing. The story is told of a man who encountered a bit of trouble while flying in his little airplane. He called the control tower and said, pilot the tower. I'm 300 miles from the airport, 600 feet above the ground, and I'm out of fuel. I'm descending rapidly. Please advise. Over. Tower to pilot, the dispatcher began. Repeat after me, our Father, who art in heaven. He was in trouble. He was going down. But you know what? Sometimes we treat prayer the same way. Instead of being something we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, and talking, prayer seems to become like that little glass-covered box on the wall that says, break in case of emergency. It is so true that we so very often associate prayer with crisis in our lives. But you know what? When Daniel knew the edict was signed by the king that no man should pray, or else he'd be thrown in the lion's den, what did he do? He prayed three times a day. He did the same thing. 
Do you think he was afraid when he was, it was time to be thrown into the lion's den? Do you think he had to break that glass box? He was in prayer all the time. Got this quote from Albert Barnes. He, again, is an old pastor. Well, he's, he's a dead pastor. 1870. <laughs> and, and you'll see from the reading of it that it's, it's, from an, it's an old commentary. It says, <laughs> he's with the Lord. Now, he's alive. His body's dead. We are to maintain an uninterrupted and constant spirit of prayer. We are to be in such a frame of mind as to be ready to pray publicly if requested. And when alone to improve any moment of leisure which we may have when we feel ourselves strongly inclined to pray. That Christian is in a bad state of mind who has suffered himself by attention to worldly cares or by light conversation or by gaiety and vanity or by reading an improper book or by eating or drinking too much or by late hours at night among the thoughtless and the vain to be brought into such a condition that he cannot engage in prayer with proper feelings. There's been an evil done to the soul if it is not prepared for communion with God at all times and if it would not find pleasure in approaching his holy throne. He's saying your relationship with God needed to be right. What do you think he would say about iPhones and television now? We should be in such close fellowship with God that there is unbroken communication with him. We are walking and talking with him so intimately that it's just as if we never stopped talking to God um, it's a pattern of, of prayer in our daily walk. And again, Pastor Kukendall, Kuken, is that right? It's <laughs> good enough. Pastor Sunday night, he spoke of this. Uh, you know, praying without ceasing. It's, it's when we say a prayer and we don't put an amen on the end of it. We pray throughout the day. We pray that God, for, for him to help us. We pray in our business meeting. Pray while you're driving. Keep your eyes open. Pray while you're talking to others. You know, I, I need to pray while I'm talking to others so something don't come out of my mouth that, that shouldn't. Um, prayer should be just a part and a pattern of our lives. So as we close, what does your prayer life look like? Are you persistent in prayer? Are your prayers passionate or are they perfunctionary? Are they filled with intensity and fervor or are they weak, timid, and lacking faith? What about gratitude? How much time have you spent thanking God for all he has done for you? And who are you praying for? Is there anyone in your life that you're praying will get saved? Is, is there any burden on your heart to see God's kingdom expand or to see his will done? got this from Desiring God's Ministry, and I'll close with this. God has established prayer as the means by which we receive his supernatural help. And without supernatural help, we cannot live a life worthy of the gospel. Everything that distinguishes Christians from the world in a Christ-exalting way is a work of God's supernatural grace. And God has ordained that this grace flows to us through prayer. That's why prayer must be central, not peripheral, in our lives families, and in, in our ministries. Let's pray. Father.